Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. The weeks get crazier. I, I, I worry. I worry every day that something bad is going to happen in this world. And a precipitating factor is going to be our own Donald Trump. Uh, He's just got his nose in too many things, and he's dealing with the wrong people, and he seems to want to go to war every place. He wants to, he's fomenting war. War that could also bring retaliatory action on our shores, to our nation, to our cities, to our communities, kill our people in our homeland. There is no protection left today. The oceans don't protect us. Hell, China has missiles that they can shoot from their country that can hit our cities over here. All right? Uh, so there's no protection from anything. The, the way we did it after World War II is the correct way. Make friends with everyone, including your enemies. And that was the built-in protection. And, of course, keep yourself militarily sound. In less than two years, Donald Trump has destroyed these safeguards and continues to do so. I do not clearly see, clearly understand what motivates this man. Tonight, we're going to visit and speak about Venezuela, the Philippines, Canada, Washington, Louisiana, uh, Poway, California, the Vatican, El Salvador, Guatemala, and Rome, Italy, in addition to the Vatican. We're going to start with with Venezuela. Uh, Let me share with you my my limited knowledge, which is actually more extensive than what most people have concerning uh, Venezuela. Uh, About six years ago, when Maduro and Venezuela started getting in the news more and more, and the people were starving, uh, and they were eating their pets and then going into the zoos and killing the animals and eating them, then they ate the grass, then they ate the bark off the trees, then they dug up the earth and they ate the roots under the ground. Uh, something was amiss, and it tickled my fancy uh, to the extent I wanted to know what was going on over there. So I've been following Maduro and Venezuela religiously. Nothing has happened that has been reported that I have not become aware of. I have no secret information. I just read newspapers. I watch the Internet. I watch television. And I keep track of what's going on. Today was a big day in Venezuela. You have to understand we're down there now. We have Bolton and uh, Pompeo, and they're, they're encouraging war down there. That the, um, They want to upset Maduro. They want to dump Maduro. Maduro is with Russia. We have to put oh, this whole thing in perspective. The value that Venezuela has are its oil reserves. I don't understand why these people are so broke. They have the largest oil reserves in the world. We want them under Trump. We always wanted them, but on a different deal. We want them under Trump. 
Russia wants them, and Russia has China backing them up. Several months ago, Trump threatened war against Venezuela for humanitarian reasons. The people are starving. Hell, they've been starving for almost six years. He just became aware they're starving. He didn't say a word about them for six years. No, it's a humanitarian crisis. We've got one on the southwestern border. That's not the type of crisis that he considers requires his attention in a positive fashion. So what's been going on? Uh, we About a month ago, we sent 3,500 troops to the Colombia venezuela border and we parked them there and we've got our airplanes down there we have f-35s the stealth bomber super duper fighter planes you can't see them i don't know how it works but they're called stealth because they can't be seen they can be heard but they can't be seen uh in the meantime russia says hey maduro they want to dump maduro trump they want to put their own people in russia says putin says hey these are my friends maduro and i have been buddies forever and it makes sense because, really, they're a socialist, communist country. I'm not quite sure which. Uh, they've been very, very close friends with the Castros in Cuba, and they've been close friends with Russia over the years. They have been the avowed enemy of the United States. Uh, under Hugo Chavez, remember, Chavez was at some worldwide meeting in the U.N., and he gets up after uh, George Bush had speak, spoken, Bush too, and he says, I can smell the sulfur here, you know, the death smell, the rotten smell, because Bush, Bush had stood there before him. Anyhow, while we got our people on the border, Putin doesn't screw around. He's already landed some uh, Russian planes and Russian soldiers, so he's in there in the country on foot. Uh, I don't know how many in number, but he's there. And never underestimate or doubt Putin. I'll tell you why. He has outfoxed Trump at each and every point. That doesn't mean I agree with what Putin does, but he is much smarter, a much better dealer, a much better angler than Donald Trump would ever consider being, and he thinks he's everything. Anyhow, they got this guy, Trump got this guy, John, John, what the hell's his name here? John Guaido, G-U-A-I-D-O, 35 years old. And uh, somehow he made himself or he became the interim president. That's a quote-unquote, because Maduro's still president. Uh, Maduro controls the military. He who controls the military controls Venezuela. Simple. The Congress of Venezuela is anti-Maduro, but they have no power. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Maduro had them did not disbanded. They still sit and try to think they're passing laws. And every time they pass something, the Supreme Court of Venezuela, which, on, which is on Maduro's side, says that's unconstitutional, so it's going no place. But the Congress uh, appointed this interim president, uh, 35-year-old Juan Guaido, and he's been running all over South America looking for assistance. Of course, America, Trump is backing him, Pompeo, Bolton, they're all backing him. Now, I have been consistently saying, this is very important, we could be at war tomorrow, that's why I'm not taking my time with this, and I doubt it, but I've been consistently saying that it would be so easy for Venezuela to get rid of Maduro, all the people have to do is revolt. I don't know how many demonstrations in the streets of Caracas and elsewhere in Venezuela I have read or heard about. 100, 
100,000 or more people at a time. Did you hear me? 100,000 more people at a time. That's a lot of people. But rarely does an altercation occur. They yell, they complain, they bitch in the street, and nothing happens. See, if you, you're going to revolt, you got to beat the other side up. you got to go to war. Uh, the military stands with Maduro. The military leaders and the military stand with Maduro. And it's very simple. Maduro always took care of the military. They're not starving. They eat. They live well. They vacation well. They're making money all over the place, got money in all kinds of foreign accounts. Why would they want a different president? Why, why would they want a president that was going to clean things up when they're part of the graft? And he who controls the military in Venezuela controls the country. Well, Guaido is going no place. So he announces over the weekend that today there was going to be a major demonstration and the military would come out and stand with him this morning and the fighting would start. Well, this morning came. We'll, we'll take Caracas, for example. This morning came. Caído's in front of 100,000 people marching. Isn't that beautiful? And he's got a handful of military people with him, lower echelon people. And there was some altercation back and forth. Nothing of any significance. Nothing really happened. And why not? Because those 100,000 people, they got to go beat people up and get guns, rocks, Molotov cocktails if they're going to do something. They don't have guns. And they're afraid to fight. And I believe this. God helps those who help themselves. And they, for five or six years, the people of Venezuela have cried, they've complained, but they haven't done a damn thing to help themselves. So they deserve what they're getting. They got crap. They're going to keep crap in their leadership. And nothing happened today. And, you know, tonight on the news, there was Secretary of State uh, Michael Pompeo, and he's saying, hey, the airplanes at the airport in Caracas waiting to take uh, Maduro, fly him to Havana for safety. But the Russians dissuaded him. That's a crock of shit. Excuse what I'm saying. He's got Russia behind him. He's got Putin behind him. Why is he going to leave? We've had all these 100,000 people demonstrations. Nothing happens of any significance. So I don't buy it. He also says, and Bolton says, you know, this could be war in effect, my words. Everything's on the table, Pompeo's words, Bolton's words. Everything's on the table here because the people aren't going to put up with this in Venezuela. They want their freedom, their democracy. Um, the president of one of the company, countries in South America, and you have to excuse me, I can't recall whether it's Bolivia, uh, which country said, get out. The Americans shouldn't be here. They're creating a problem. True. <laughs> we are creating a problem. I'm an American, but I don't believe in what he's doing there, okay? He wants the oil. You must always follow the money. He, Trump wants the oil. Putin wants the oil. China's willing. Putin's going to share that oil with China. That's what this whole thing is about. Trump doesn't care about these people. And this John Guaido tried to pull a coup. And he fell flat on his face because the Americans were going to help them. But what are the Americans going to do? Unless we invade, we, the United States, must invade Venezuela. There's no chance of Maduro's uh, government being thrown down. And I'm not even sure we can do it. Now, there's another problem here, and I talked about this and wrote about it last week. This has to do with our military over there on the Colombian border. Uh, we have troops. 
Now, when troops go in, you always must have troops on the ground. You've got to fight a, a ground battle in order to win. But you must provide your ground troops, your foot troops, your foot soldiers with air cover. These F-35s. Uh, turns out, you know, I don't know what's happening with the, the airline manufacturing industry, but they're screwing up with, with airplanes lately. This F-35 is not stealth. Just last October, Trump was so proud of this new airplane. He says, boy, we got it knocked in effect. It's stealth. You can't see it. Turns out that Venezuela has what is called an F-200. It's a radar system. Uh, and it also somehow has shoots missiles. And this radar system, the F-35, is not a stealth to it. They can see it coming. And the statistics I have read indicate that any of our F-35s that fly over, any of our planes that fly over, all right, this F-200 system would take out 85 to 90 percent immediately. Do you hear that? Yeah, 85 to 90 percent immediately. So Trump and Pompeo and Bolton can talk with bravado, but I don't think they're going to send our troops in. And the other reason they're not going to send them in is because if they do, now they got to fight with Russia, and they don't want a world war with the beginning, and they don't want a battle with Russia. So that's where we're at up to the minute tonight. Eight o'clock was when we got into some of this stuff about he was going to fly out of the country, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Having said all that, I want to go to another uh, friend of Donald Trump's. All these people are friends. Duarte, president of the Philippines. Uh, you know what he said this week? This is absolutely amazing. He told Canada if they didn't do something within a week, he's got a problem, he's got a hair up his ass, he's going to invade Canada. The Philippines are going to invade Canada. Now, here's, you know what this is all about? Garbage. Garbage. I'm talking about trash. Garbage. seems that uh, the Philippines were in the recycling business. So was China's neck. Uh, and... Uh, Back in 2013 and 2014, one of the suppliers from Canada of recyclables, you know, you send them to another country who takes them and turns the metal into usable metal that can be sold to another country, and they can use it to make cars and everything else, guns, airplanes. Uh, well, in 2013 and 2014, this Canadian company sent 103 containers weighing 2,450 tons to the Philippines, to Manila. The stuff was screwed up. It wasn't the right kind of recyclable. It has been sitting on the docks of Manila in the open air since, two, since 2013 and 2014. And there have been discussions between the two countries. Come get your garbage. Well, we're trying to. We don't think it's ours. It's the company and all that baloney. And Duarte got pissed off. He says, I have had it, okay? You take it back. I don't want it. It's foreign garbage. It's not Filipino garbage. We don't want your garbage. Bring it home. Now, Duarte is just like Trump. He's a bully. He's got bravado. Uh, he goes a little farther. He, he's killed thousands of people. If you're caught with drugs, he's anti-drug. He's been in office, I think, three years. He's anti-drug. If you're caught with a drug, a joint or something, you're shot on the spot. You don't go to jail. You don't get due process. You don't get a trial. You're shot on the spot. Uh, so he's a pretty tough guy, and he, he exercises himself as a tough guy. Uh, well, 
the also so you understand Duarte's thinking. Last year he got in a, in a match, a pissing match with uh, President Xi of, of uh, China over one of the islands in the South Asian seas. The Philippines says that's our island. China says it's our island. And boy, he said, listen, you screw, he said to China, you screw around with me, I'm going to send a, and I quote, suicide mission, unquote, to China to straighten this whole thing out. And so apparently the, the situation got resolved. So that's the story of what's happening with Duarte and the Philippines. Uh, now we come to Rod Rosenstein, Deputy Attorney General, uh, uh, delivered his uh, resignation letter yesterday. He will be all done as of May 11th. Good riddance to bad rubbish. I have written this. I say it now, and I've said it before. Uh, this man turned out to be despicable. He made us all think he was on Mueller's side. They'd been FBI agents for 20 years, friends for more than 20 years. And here's what happened here. And three things that bothered me about him. Initially, I was concerned when Comey got fired. When Comey got fired as director of the FBI, Trump did it on the strength of a written report by Rod Rosenstein to Trump saying Comey acted beyond FBI rules, principles, guidances, whatever way you want to label it with the handling of the Hillary Clinton matter. He should not have done that. Based on that, Trump fired Comey. So that's number one where Rosenstein was out of the box. He wasn't acting properly. That bothered me, but then he seemed to come on board, and they said, maybe the guy got screwed up. Who the hell knows here? And he seemed to be working in support with Mueller during the investigation. He seemed the one that was keeping Mueller in the seat of chief investigator, when Trump always wanted to get him fired, okay? Now Barr comes on the scene, what, three, four weeks ago, Attorney General William Barr, the new Attorney General, and there's no question he's in the back pocket of Trump. He is a think first class. Got to say it that way. You call, you call it as you see them, and that's how I see these guys. And if you notice, he's, he's cooperated with Barr in the preparation of that four-page memorandum. He was standing there when Barr made his announcement and read things. Uh, he's, in, he's associated with Barr openly now. And the other thing is, it's, being, it's coming out now that Rosenstein has been a mole, a hearing person in the Mueller camp, during the investigation for Donald Trump, he was Trump's think working with Mueller. Do you need any more to say the guy's no good and it's good riddance to bad rubbish? Don't know where this is all going, but that's some background you may not have been aware of. Uh, I'm staying with Donald Trump tonight because he's had a good week. When he, he All the stuff he's got flying around doesn't mean good, good. It means he's been out there in the news. Uh, the Washington Post this week. Today, this morning, the Washington Post, in its Washington Post facts, fact checker, that, you know, they count how many times Trump has lied. Finally, Trump has achieved greatness in another area. You know, he always wants to be the best one at something, the top, the top of the mountain, etc. Well, they announced, headline this morning, <laughs> that Trump, Trump's lies, I'm laughing as I say this, I'm getting tongue-tied, had finally exceeded 10,000. More than 10,000 lies in less than two years have come out of his mouth. 
They describe the lies as false and misleading claims. False and misleading claims. Let me tell you something. I don't know if Donald's proud of this or not proud of it. Uh, Sometimes he he doesn't talk about certain things, but you know inside he says, ah, I did it again, I got him. I don't think this is anything to be proud of, that you you lie to the people who elected you, you lie to the people who didn't elect you. Uh, You set a lousy standard, a poor standard for the young people of our country, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Bad man, Donald Trump. Okay, want to go to Louisiana Purchase. You remember Louisiana Purchase? Those of you who went to school in this country, in grammar school, we all learned about the Louisiana Purchase. 1803, the United States made this great buy of what they call the Louisiana Properties, which, by the way, happened to run from Louisiana all the way to the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, Big property. Uh, for a very cheap price, and wasn't it amazing? And credit is given to Thomas Jefferson, who was president of the United States at the time, that he set the negotiation standard and he had his people go over and negotiate based on terms that got this property so cheap. It was a bargain. And here's what happened. Because on this day in 1803, on this day in 1803, the United States and France concluded concluded the terms of the Los Angeles purchase. The price, $11,250,000. Not a hell of a lot of money, even back then, $11,250,000. For that, the United States got 828,000 acres of land, 828,000. They paid, the United States paid less than three cents an acre for each one of those acres. Can you imagine less than three cents an acre? Now, the deal came up very fast. Uh, the United States wanted to buy the land, part of it, not all of it. Uh, Jefferson knew we would be expanding to the West, and we didn't want Trump to get France involved. Napoleon's secret aim had been up to this time. He wanted to take over New Orleans. He wanted to take over the Mississippi into the West and make it French-owned property because he knew this had to be a gold mine that area. He could see it. He was a man of vision, a man of wisdom. Uh, so here's what he did, and this is why it really you should not, we should not give credit to Jefferson. We've got to give credit to a major screw-up on Napoleon's part that brought about this purchase price. What happened is this. France owned Haiti. Haiti was a very, very profitable island. It was the, the best-producing, the most rewarding financially sugar plantations in the Western Hemisphere, in the Caribbean, and it was France's, and they were making a ton of money. Well, the black people did all the work, and these were Haitians, and they did all the work, and this fellow comes along uh, around 1802, eight, end of 1801, I think, into 1802. He was a slave, Francois Dominique Toussaint Toussaint La Overture. La Overture, I probably pronounced his name wrong, but thought that was his name. And he says, hey, guys, we're making all the money for the French. Screw them. We're going to take over the island and get rich. And he started a revolution. So Trump, I'm sorry, not Trump, what the hell's his name? I got a mental block. I apologize. Uh, Napoleon was intending to send uh, a big military effort, a lot of troops over to Louisiana to get the Louis, the uh, has taken over New Orleans and Mississippi and everything else started, making sure he's going to put his military there, and if he had to fight people, fight them. 
And but he also had problems in Haiti, which was close to New Orleans and Louisiana, and he had this revolution to deal with. So he called in his brother-in-law, General Leclerc, L-E then C-L-E-R-C, his brother-in-law, General Leclerc. He says, look, you got to take care of Louisiana, the Mississippi, and everything we've been talking about. But i got to get rid of the Haiti problems, a pain in the ass. He says, you got 20,000 troops, go over, put down the rebellion. Shouldn't be a problem. These people don't know what the hell they're doing, just the way he put it. And he says, then go on to, to uh, New Orleans. Well, Leclerc went over there. And i got to tell you, in three months, he beat the hell out of the, out of the, the natives who were revolting. They didn't know how to handle guns. They didn't know how to handle this. They, they had no format for fighting. And the French beat the hell out of these people, 20,000 Frenchmen. And they arrested the leader here, this Le Vulture, and they sent him over to France where he ultimately died in 1803 in a prison. Be that as it may. Now the French troops are there. They're getting ready. They're going to go to New Orleans. Great plan Napoleon had prepared, concocted, conceived. The only trouble is they were getting sick. They would get delirious. Then they'd go into a coma, and then they died. See, the mosquitoes were biting. <laughs> it was the rainy season, and the mosquitoes were out in droves, and everybody came down. When I say everybody, it's almost everybody, with yellow fever. Now, you have to understand, there was no built-in immunity. The black people that live on the island for several generations, let's say, or a couple of generations. So they had gotten yellow fever when they were young, and you survive it like, I'm old, I never had an inoculation, but I got the measles, the mumps, the chicken pox, and everything else. And then you get it, and when it's over, you got a built-in immunity. Well, the black people had the immunity. The French didn't because they were never were there, and they never got bit by a mosquito before and got yellow fever. And he lost 15,000 of his 20,000 a contingency of soldiers within three months. Leclerc, isn't that awful? Over the course of the next less than a year, Napoleon kept sending over more and more soldiers because now he has men sick. He's got some doctors, nurses. It's becoming a pain in the ass for him. It's costing him money. In the meantime, Great Britain and he are going to go to war big time, and he needs money for that. Everything's a loser for him in the, in the Western Hemisphere. He sent over, in less than a year, 70,000 French troops. You know how many came out? 3,000. 67,000 died and are still buried in Haiti. Isn't that wild? So Napoleon said, screw it. I can see him. He's like a Donald Trump probably. He just looked up at everybody in his office and said, screw him. Everybody out of Haiti. I want them out right away. Bring them home. And I don't want anything to do with the new world. And he got his negotiators to say, get a hold of Jefferson's people and tell them, let's make a deal. We'll sell them that property. Get it off my back. Because in the meantime, the British were getting ready to blockade France. He was going to war. He was in war with France and some other European nations. Uh, he needed his people in Europe. He needed his military in Europe. His military is being diminished. He's using up money. He needs to fight battles. And that is why we got the Louisiana Purchase so cheap. Not because Jefferson and our people, I'm sure they were brilliant, were that smart, but because Napoleon was smarter than anybody. He knew he had a problem. He wanted to cut his losses and get out, which is what the man did. Where, where are we now? We're losing time. We've got about three minutes here. I want to go to Poway, Poway California, Shabbat Synagogue. The shooter this past weekend, 
19-year-old boy went in, killed one, injured three. Uh, I watched Rabbi Goldstein uh, on television uh, within a matter of hours. Uh, it was he and a 60-year-old woman parishioner that had been a parishioner for years at the synagogue who first saw the, the 19-year-old come in with a rifle. He pointed the rifle first at Goldstein, uh, shot some bullets at him. Goldstein put up his left hand. The guy the kid shot one of his fingers off, put up his right hand, took a few bullets in the right hand. In the meantime, he's also shooting at the woman that the rabbi's talking to, to kills her instantly. Right? Horrible. He cried on television while he's talking. I cried watching him, and I had to believe, because he just couldn't understand why this stuff happened. And it was hor- the whole thing was horrible. Horrible! And I believe many in this country who saw him had to cry also. What the hell are we doing? Well, we've got people attacking the synagogues. We've got people attacking the Muslim mosque. We've got people just attacking us at public events and everything else. I'm going to tell you this. Within one hour of this broadcast tonight, a shooter was on the campus of North Carolina University and I, I think killed one, injured two very seriously, and they may not make it, and another two critically. Uh, we're crazy. The whole world's crazy. The whole world's crazy. I'm going to cover one last thing before I run. I'm going to cover the Boy Scouts of America. You know, it was shocking. It's been devastating. We've had 20 years of the Catholic Church, their priests, throwing around with little kids. Pedophilia. Uh, Started to get accustomed to hearing about it, but it's only in the last five years the Boy Scouts came into the picture. Some court documents, uh, someone went through them recently, and here's the numbers how they play out in the court documents with regard to the troop leaders abusing the Scouts. 7,819 Boy Scout troop leaders, 7,819 abused sexually 12,254 victims. That means Boy Scouts. We're a sick nation. We're a sick world. I don't know what the hell's going on. It wasn't like this when I was small. Or maybe it wasn't like this because we didn't know about these things. The news wasn't as it is today. Anyhow, that's my show for the week. I hope you enjoyed. Come back again next week. Keep telling your friends to listen because you like it. I tell you every week, my numbers keep going up. I love it. Uh, I'm glad you're here, uh, and I look forward to being with you again next week. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.